questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight we'll discuss DNA, which is directly linked with the Earth grids that have electric and magnetic ley lines, representing the masculine and feminine, just like our bodies. Technology and AI, which can be positive and negative. We'll also discuss the Mars Agenda, the recruitment program, consciousness, updates on the disclosure movement, Project Monarch, also the Eisenhower administration. Did President Eisenhower witness an extraterrestrial craft land, and did he meet with extraterrestrials at the Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico in 1955? Did he also enter into an agreement with them? Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. Join me on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to discuss this and much more, tonight's special guest is Laura Eisenhower, a global alchemist, whistleblower, and intuitive astrologist. She's an internationally acclaimed speaker who has presented her work worldwide. Laura is the great-granddaughter of President Dwight David Eisenhower. She is considered by many to be one of North America's leading researchers on exopolitics, alchemy, ascension mechanics, and galactic history. Laura works to free us from the 3D holographic time loop and false arconic systems. Feeling and calling regarding her mission since she was a child, she has gained incredible insight through experience, psychic development, and research about how to guide us into higher Earth energies. Her passion is to bring about disclosure, inspire unity consciousness, and bring us back to the zero-point unified field, the totality of our divine powers. Her website is CosmicGaia.org, and she joins us directly from the state of Montana. Hello, Laura, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Mel. My pleasure. Well, Laura, let me just say I've been aware of your work for a number of years, and we met in person a couple of years ago, and I really felt almost like you were a lost friend. I really felt like I knew you from before. So I'm glad we're finally doing an interview together. Oh, me too. Now, I remember the first time I heard about you. It was during the time I interviewed Andrew Bashago and the Mars program many years ago. Well, why don't we begin with your story first, uh, for those who may not know who you are. Yes, well, thank you. Um, I was introduced to the Mars agenda in the year 2006. Um, I know you covered a lot in the bio, so I won't repeat just sort of uh, my process before getting to that point, because that was a really pivotal time. Because in 2006, I was approached to go off planet. And at the time, I just thought this was something the person, you know, the person that wanted to bring me in, I I, I figured it was something he was going to do anyway, regardless of my presence. Um, I think he, he still had the plan to, but there was a, a particular piece uh, on their end that found it important that I join them. And there were missions that he was sent on that seemed to be somewhat controlled, like once we got together, I noticed that he would get phone calls and he would get 
codes over the phone and he would disappear for days and not remember anything. And I started to hear terms like handler and um, I was really keeping my ears out as he was sort of uh, wanting to pull me in and giving me reasons why this was important with the target date being 2012 and how this was for my protection. So it all sounded, you know, pretty friendly. Um, it sounded like they were interested in, interested in me, but I, I more thought that I just ended up with a partner that just had this, you know, mission. And I had a choice to just say no if I wasn't in agreement, because ever since I was young, I've always felt a calling to help in this particular window period, which I almost felt like I was being prepared for, uh, which is this, you know, window of opportunity for us to really advance ourselves as humans, uh, you know, really needing to have discernment, you know, watching out for things like artificial timelines and AI and transhumanism. So this is a really big, important uh, window of, of of time. So it was a big red flag for me to be invited to do this. And then I realized it was a little bit more than an invitation. And um, there was a lot of intent for them to take me along, even though I was very uh, not, I mean, I, I just really just expressed a lot of uh, apprehension. And, uh, and then he finally admitted to me after I was with him for six months, because basically we had started dating when I moved back to the DC area, I had an immediate familiarity but about six months into the relationship, he said that he was sent specifically on a mission to bring me in. And I didn't have a choice and they were going to take me anyway. And everything just got a little bit freakier and freakier. And all during all this time, I was taking notes. I was taking names. I wasn't allowed to uh, meet with the people directly. I wasn't invited to the meetings, but I took all the names. I recognized it was a group called the Aviary and also the Aquarium, who are a think tank of UFO kind of guys. And uh, they... Um, seemed to be curious about the UFO and abduction phenomenon. But what I was picking up was that whatever instructions my partner was getting to go to Mars, he was getting from some, what he thought was an extraterrestrial race. And as legit as that might be, I felt like it was artificial telepathy. I didn't feel like any of it was legit. And I kept following my intuition. And, uh, and then I discovered that they had looking glass technologies that tracked us in a previous lifetime so that he would be easy bait because I would feel natural affinity because we had been linked before in a past life. So then I'm like all these technologies, I'm like all these different terms, all this sort of survival energy. I'm trying to raise my kids. And after a certain point, I ran into folks like Andrew Bashago. Um, you know, I met him through Alfred Weber. Um, and I was just sort of surrendering to the universe that if I really need to bring this forward, if, if this is beneficial for humanity, that some sort of opening would happen without me pushing it. Cause I was, really not sure. And, you know, what, once I started to name names and they really knew that I was onto them, um, then it got really weird because, you know, just to kind of wrap it up. So I'm not talking too much on just this one thing. Um, basically, when I found out all the information, because they had cover careers, like you would never find anything negative about them or that they were dealing in things like my labs and psychotronic weaponry and artificial telepathy. You would never see that just seeing it on the surface, but I was convinced that something darker was going on. I researched for weeks until I started to see this association with them and these things. And it clued me into the fact that the Mars agenda had been infiltrated, same with the defense departments. And it had a lot to do with the alternative three scenario that took place in the Eisenhower administration. And also, um, just the sort of service to self entities and uh, the fact that if there are cataclysms and we needed to leave the earth, that more than likely they were induced and engineered, you know, with things like geoengineering and weather modification. And, and so I just felt, I, I just, it's not worth it. I can't even talk to these people. I really want to expose these potential um, destructive timelines. 
And if they're not destructive, then the secrecy shouldn't be a problem because the human race shouldn't be kept in the dark. So, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell is just recognizing a sort of the friendly approach and then kind of digging deeper and, and really educating myself. Um, and then, yeah, understanding that the secret space program has been absolutely uh infiltrated, but it's so compartmentalized that it's been very difficult for any of us to connect the dots. But that's kind of what I've been trying to do for the last eight years, you know, coming out more public and meeting a lot of other whistleblowers is, okay, let's connect some dots here. And uh, there's a lot of people coming forward with, you know, very different stories. But um, I think it's it's clear that there's been a massive level of infiltration since the Second World War and, you know, Project Paperclip and a lot of these different treaties and government um, dealings with different ET races. Now, I want to dissect your life, and I want to dissect a lot of the things you're saying. For example, uh, the term Alternative 3 came to mind. A lot of people may think that's just a, a TV program, but also, it was also a movie, I believe, in 1977. And for those who don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Alternative 1 was Earth, Alternative 2 was the Moon, and Alternative 3 was Mars. And if I remember correctly, there was some footage there of a craft landing, of a, of a NASA craft landing on Mars, that some speculate that could have been true, as opposed to what the movie showed that was just science fiction. Your take on that? Uh, my take on just some of those stories that seem false or seem like myths, you're saying? No, the movie Alternative 3 that showed, a, I believe, a NASA craft landing on Mars, and some people speculate that NASA actually filtered that out to the public to say it was science fiction when in fact we actually arrived to Mars. Right. And this is uh, very important. People like Ken Johnston, who's a whistleblower uh, for NASA, who got fired for uh, wanting to expose the pictures that they were trying to alter of, you know, structures and obvious signs of, of life and activity. Um, all that sort of got wiped. And, and so Ken Johnston's a great source and has become a friend um, who, you know, was one of the people that was sorting through those sort of things and um, noticed that they were, you know, trying to cover it up. So when we look at these things in fiction, we have to kind of understand that when they're underplayed as being, uh, you know, untrue, I mean, there, there are untrue elements that we start to find out about, but then it undermines the things that actually happen and we're all sitting here left confused. But when we look at enough testimony, enough whistleblowers willing to come forward, um, you know, especially people that have done the 20 and back, which is a lot of, um, you know, stories that have a lot of common threads, but they're very difficult for anybody to wrap their head around because these technologies are so advanced. And I have, you know, no real proof except for really knowing these people personally and just seeing, you know, how all these dots connect. And even, you know, sessions I do for people during the day, you know, who aren't ready to come public, who are saying the same sort of things that have, you know, nothing but just needing to share about it. So it's like my day job too. Um, yeah. So, I mean, even on the Zeta Talk website, it says, uh, you know, those connected to alternative three are service to self data graze. Um, there's just, you know, places that one can find a lot more information about, you know, these agendas and the Jason scholars, which Eisenhower set up uh, was connected to this. They were meant to kind of sift through all the different information about ETs. And um, in 1955, uh, they were created and they're considered to be a branch of MJ-12 and MJ-12 supposedly are the ones that got their hand on all the ET technologies. And uh, yeah, so they were uh, the Jason scholars were created to sift through all the facts, evidence, technology, lies and deception and find the truth of, you know, what, what's going on with this alien thing. 
But because of the infiltration and things that were happening in Area 51 and just the, almost like this virus spreading, you know, without the surface governments or even Eisenhower being fully aware, even though I do believe he had quite a bit of contact, something really got out of control. And that's why we haven't had any exposure. And these rogue sort of breakaway civilizations have been kind of doing their own thing for their own benefit. And so then when I was recruited to Mars, I was like, I don't want anything to do with this until I get to the bottom of it. So I'm not trying to make anybody a bad guy. There's a lot of compartmentalism. They convinced my partner he was doing something huge and like he was a hero. And and so a lot of people get blackmailed. Unfortunately, a lot of uh, pieces have come together. But I definitely think that, uh, you know, that movie was pointing towards the truth. And so they try and undermine the truth. And then they get and, and the things with the different psyops like flat earth or we never landed on, the, you know, then then we're all just sitting here like, what? You know, how do we it just gets crazy. Let me mention something because, you know, I keep thinking of the uh, Holloman Air Force Base uh, alleged landing and the meeting with your great grandfather. I remember interviewing uh, Bob Emenegger. I don't know if you know who he is, but he was the producer behind the documentary UFOs Past, Present and Future. And on that uh, documentary, allegedly, well, he told me this, then he denied it after he spoke with me. And then anyway, there was a footage of a landing on that video. And apparently the Air Force told the producers, you can show it. But you have to say this could have happened or may happen in the future. You cannot say that it did happen. I saw the video. It's in the documentary. Are you aware of this? What was the documentary called? UFOs, Past, Present, and Future. No, I've, I I have bits of like information that is connected to that, but I never saw that documentary. I'm going to have to see that. Wow. Let's see if I can find the uh, the actual little footage. Uh, they were given thousands of reels, I mean, of feet of, of film. And at the last moment, they said you can only use 70 feet of the reel, which was only the little dot, you know, landing as opposed to the entire thing. Somebody yeah. changed their mind. Back to the Mars program, because this is when I heard about you, as I said, after I learned from Andy Bajago. A lot of people may think, could it be that Andy and and Laura could have been victims of MK Ultra? Can you, for the for the skeptics out there who may say this story is a hoax, can you elucidate? Well, I love that you asked that because I know that a lot of people walk away from these sort of interviews or stories um, thinking that, and that's a very very important thing to consider. Um, my partner was actually being mind controlled. Um, I have done so much energy work, done regression. You know, I was in a clairvoyant institute for two years. I've always been a skeptic about myself and anything that I share. And I tend to not do any presentations with any slide that I don't feel pretty darn convinced that it's as close to the truth as I can get while encouraging people, of course, to have discernment. Um, their whole tactic with me was more heart control. I, I, I'm not easily mind controlled. I've always been a free spirit. I was never thrown into any projects as a kid. I've done hypnoregression. They saw weaponry on me coming from outside, like psychotronic weaponry, before I even knew you know, the details about that or what that even was, even though I felt something on me my whole life. I, I was kind of preserving my brain at all costs. I could feel something trying to break me and crack me and even try and steal my soul. And so I did a lot of energy work. I lived in the wilderness for a couple of years, being trained as an expedition guide or, or leader um, in the wilderness. And so it'd be very hard to get away with being in that position for as long as I was if I was really operating under some level of mind control. Because nature, you can't really get away with being 
very controlled when you're, you know, out there um, just you know, fending for your life and having to survive and, and, and also thrive because it's not there to, you know, necessarily kick your butt. But um, yeah, so I did hypnoregression. I was always thinking, you know, am I being fooled? So it's not so much me being mind controlled. It's how legit is this Mars agenda, period? What were they convincing him of? You know, but then I meet other whistleblowers and it's like, well, are they all mind controlled? So one has to consider that. But mostly what they've done is they've been able to crack through the mind control to start to download memories that got wiped. Because for a lot of these people, um, they don't remember anything. And then all of a sudden an event happens and everything starts to flood in. And it's usually after they're pretty free of the program or they um, aren't in service anymore. I mean, they might be somewhat still owned and tracked and monitored, but they're not under the grips like they were before. Folks like Captain K, Randy Kramer, Tony Rodriguez. Now we got Jason Rice coming out. Um, Corey Good's testimonies. I mean, you know, they might not all uh, see eye to eye on certain things, and some might wonder if some of those are false implants. Even the ones that are part of the space program question each other because they know how that can go. So I kind of step back as the observer. I've been um, free of you know these projects, so it was more recruitment, and they were using somebody as bait. So I almost say, yeah, I was almost subject to heart control. Where yeah, I would have gone to Mars with him because he's. You know, I have an affinity with him and, you know, we, we had our little Celtic hand fast. We, you know, we were sort of married. We had a great relationship except for all this. And I always thought of it as I want to debunk this. This has got to be crazy. Like, what is going on with this guy? And I don't want to go to Mars. I don't want to take my kids to Mars. And all this sort of fear tactics of, um, you know, in the event of a cataclysm. So we look at some of these Armageddon timelines and these movies all about the end of the world. And, you know, obviously there's no true end, but you know, they made it sound like there was this huge necessity to go to Mars. So I would think if I was under mind control, I'd be on Mars. But I was like, there's no way. And I want not to, you know, try and promote something or an agenda. I want to look at all the nooks and crannies. Look at the MK Ultra. Look at the satanic ritual abuse. Look at what these technologies are capable of doing, including simulated realities. Because I asked the question, was that even Mars? I mean, are they even going to Mars? Are they putting these people in rooms or virtual reality scenarios you know, creating some kind of picture that, you know, might not fully exist. But then at the same time, meeting Ken Johnston and some of these more, um, you know, these people that have really, you know, worked, not been under mind control, but noticed these things as they were, you know, working these professions, you know, then it goes back to kind of validating, um, you know, the real deal with the life on Mars. So there might be two going on, you know, a simulated reality, maybe some kind of organic reality. But here we are kind of in this holographic time loop, you know, that's confusing enough. So I'm, I know after all the regression and all the, you know, meditation and, um, you know, being in the wilderness, I mean, I've, I've kept myself pretty darn clear. And I mean, every partner I have, I'm like, are you a handler? Are you a CIA agent? I mean, I'm always like, ah, trying to protect myself. And, you know, the, the kind of, um, you know, things that I work with to keep, you know, my brain waves clear. I don't watch TV. I turn off the electronics I don't have any handlers. I haven't been in any projects. The great thing about the Eisenhower family is we've we've been sort of the opposition to the Illuminati. So there's been a lot of targeting to break us in other ways because because we're not a far, uh, part of the Illuminati bloodlines. We don't have that trauma based mind control, multi generational stuff going on, um, or trust funds or anything that like connects us into you know sort of like the dark cabal. Um, Eisenhower, you know, was raised as a farm boy. He did get pulled into these ET government treaties, but they actually originated long before him. And by the time it reached his administration, it was considered a surrender. 
But if anybody does research, they're going to see the first rumor, the first bit of information about ET government treaties are going to point directly at him. So some people might think, oh, you know, he sold us out. So back when I first started speaking, I was fine saying that I'm not here to be biased. I'm here for truth because this is the priority. So I would just say, you know, what I had picked up on and the things that I was hearing and that since I was a child, you know, some of this information was coming to me, um, but not like factual, but more about preparing for this window period and how messed up these timelines have gotten and all this stuff was always coming into me. But I knew there was something missing when I saw that initial rumor. It's not that I doubted uh, the, the visitations he had, but uh, upon further research and just, you know, working with different individuals that can help, you know, kind of see clearly that don't have that family connection. Cause I was like, I don't want to have any distorted feelings because, you know, I don't want to hear something that's going to hurt, but I'm like, you know, I can take it. So anyway, um, yeah. So the ET government treaty supposedly, um, originated, you know, back in the forties, the ET government relationship started in 1926, supposedly. And even Phil Schneider talks about some of those earlier exchanges, so I know I'm kind of getting off topic, but um, yeah, no, no, so the- that's that's great because you're opening yeah. doors and I'm writing notes down every time you mention a, a key name or Phil Schneider. We'll talk about him later because I want to explore what you know. I mean, there are a lot of people write to me all the time. I have a lot of the images of his dead body, and just by looking at those images that are some of our a little bit ogres, ogreish to 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 look at, but I don't think that he committed suicide. But that's a different story. But you mentioned that the ET program. It was before your great-grandfather. I have to ask you, we had uh, Hoover, we had Roosevelt, we had Truman before your great-grandfather. Did they know about the ET reality back then? Um, but My great-grandfather and who else? I'm sorry? Oh, well, we had Ho- Hoover. Bef- well, we had before your grand- great-grandfather, we had Truman, we had yeah. uh, Roosevelt, and we had Hoover. Did they all know? How far back does the ET reality go when it comes to our presidents? Well, all I can really say is the people I get information from, I feel really good about. I know them personally. So I, I, I'm not the kind of person that can say 100%, you know, because I wasn't there. But when I look at the people I'm getting this information from and the full body of their work, the level of integrity they hold, the level of clarity they hold, the type of person they are, okay, it's like, okay, well, I feel really good about this person. So, okay, they're covering this sort of information and it resonates because I kind of use my you know, you know, kind of like kinesiology, like it's a vibrational thing, um, you know, truth, right? So um, in my research, yeah, Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, 1933 to 1945, was president and supposedly several species of gray aliens contacted all the major world governments during his administration. And actually the original secret treaties, from what the Guardian perspective says through Lisa Renee, energeticsynthesis.com, yep. and maybe one other source that um, I can't even remember who it is, but I was uh, pulling a lot together and it wasn't just her saying this. Some whistleblowers from, I think, M, some, M16 or one of those spy programs in, I think, Britain, um, yeah, said that uh, all the major world governments um, were contacted and many made secret treaties with them. And the main deals that really started this abduction scenario and this, uh, you know, what we see with the very invasive and very... Uh, you know, painful ordeals of people not even returning and, and you know, people being experimented on um, was actually Winston Churchill and Winston Churchill and Aleister Crowley and freaking <laughs> Adolf Hitler were uh, the ones that uh, began the timeline sequence where Crowley meets Churchill, who masterminds the World War II agenda to manipulate and mind control Hitler, who then proceeds with a agenda 
um, originating from the Atlantean Black League and when he was an incarnated solar temple lord in Atlantis. And they proceeded to continue with uh, the Sons of Belial agenda with planned mass genocide to begin to target uh, the host race for the human DNA evolution um, which were the Hebrews, which which is, you know, part of the, the Jewish culture. But, of course, we have Zionism and all this stuff sort of trying to twist all of it. And the thing is, there's no chosen one, but there's certain codes that DNA carries so that we can rebuild our DNA through coming together in unity consciousness. And if certain groups can be wiped out, then it, then it stunts our growth and ability to do that. So supposedly um, supposedly the Dracos manipulated the occultist knowledge with Hitler and um, just plan to create uh, a decimation of the Melchizedek lines, which are also connected to the Jews. And, and, and this was to uh, stunt the 26,000 year cycle that was leading us towards this ascension window, because every 26,000 years, supposedly the stargates on the planet open. And so this was like, you know, their last attempt to, you know, keep it from happening. And even though we're struggling to, to just kind of recover, you know, at least we're where we are right now even though it doesn't look so great sometimes. Um, the Ascension timelines switched over the hosting anyway, and that's another story. But um, when we look at Ascension, though, we got to remember it's more about human advancement than, you know, where it gets all woo-woo and people kind of get lost in the New Age deceptions of it. So just really important to be clear. Um, but, yeah, so these treaties involve supplying numbers of humans, adults, and children to the governments. Um Oh, who, who agreed? Who agreed originally to this treaty? The original was Churchill Crowley Hitler, and it's what established the great alien agreements with the government. And from the Guardian perspective, they said that Churchill actually met with the aliens while he was prime minister. And that was the beginning of the technology trade. And um, yeah, so that brought in Crowley, who had the knowledge of, you know, the ritual abuse, which they still do. And then Hitler, which was mind controlled to, to, to you know, kind of bring that out. So. I know some people might be like, well, maybe they don't want to believe it. But when you look at the sources it's coming from and you look at things like Project Paperclip, what was going on in some of these uh, secret societies in Germany, you know, Antarctica. And, and when we kind of like piece it all together. It makes sense because how could all of this all of a sudden take place in 1954 with all the stuff we saw going on in the Second World War, the Nazi scientists, the, the, the technologies that they used, you know, they went from, uh, I think, aligning with the Nordics to then the Dracos. And so it was really about supplying numbers of humans, human adults and children. Uh, the government basically agreed to barter for abduction, things like work camps, sexual slavery, forced breeding, genetic experimentation and augmentation and then secret space programs. So this was definitely like all going on. And when the United States government got infiltrated, it was almost like Eisenhower was used as a scapegoat. He was the very one that wanted to take down the Nazis and Hitler. And he's not Jewish. He's German. You know, it's not even about race. It's about like we're a global family here. It's not about trying to win anything. It's about trying to stop this invasion of our potential as a human race, wherever it's trying to target. You know, it's not always one race. I mean, indigenous cultures. I mean, there's been different targetings throughout time. And then we see certain individuals um, and pretty much the whole human race at this point with things like um, weather modification. So um, then, yeah, things got really out of control because what they agreed to ended up expanding quite a bit. And uh, so the government leaders, in exchange for them allowing the abduction of humans, they'd be given access to extremely advanced off-planet or alien technologies. That was part of the the, the bribe. Um, things like spacecraft, uh, spacecraft blueprints, things like zero-point power source technology, militarized weaponry, 
the the capacity to you know, really mind control, which, you know, was definitely the Project Paperclip thing, to begin to weaponize humans. Well, let's go step by step. I mean, th this is great because you're every time you open a door, 10 more is open behind it. I'm, I'm trying to just keep up here. But World War II, and we can dissect this from World War One, World War Two. I mean, the real reasons for that, the Federal Reserve, and both parts of, you know, both sides, uh, all sides were being financed by the United States, and we can talk about that later if you'd like. But when it comes to the technology, it is obvious that when the Russians arrived and the United States went there, the allies, and they found the kind of technology that they had, why didn't why didn't Hitler win with the uh, the, the rocketry, the the what looked like to be extraterrestrial craft, the flying discs? Why didn't they use that? Was it because they were produced at the end of the war when their their resources were being depleted? I think a lot of those exchanges happened uh, at a later point because before it was about a master race. And I think, you know, they were aligned with certain Nordics, which were a little bit more service to self based the on Aryan race. Yeah. Based on genetic purity, but then something fell through with that and they ended up aligning with the Dracos. The thing is they, in a way, I wouldn't say they've won the war, but the war is not won yet. You know, it, it, we've been still in this war. It's just, it all came in, To the United States government, I mean, it's it's world spread, but it, it became more of a war on consciousness, mind control, weaponizing nature, abducting humans, gaining information, keeping the secrecy alive to generate a timeline that through media and propaganda, they'd be able to steer human consciousness onto that timeline. And as long as we're their food source, they don't really need to fight wars anymore, win um, land rights, right? So, so we won as far as like Europe, Germany, you know, just we won a certain layer of the war. But the war ended up um, infiltrating the secret space programs and, uh, you know, things like Montauk projects and, um, you know, the geoengineering projects, the mind control projects never ended. They said they did. They, they couldn't be more out of control with Project Monarch, Project Mockingbird, you know, which manipulates the media. Yeah. And so they have been using these advanced technologies. Even uh, in 1952, both Truman and Eisenhower um, – at first refused to agree to the terms of the Nazis because they were still in negotiations with them because the war wasn't won, but they kind of write it in history books like it was. But they flew UFOs over Washington, D.C. from, I think, July 12th to the 29th. 1952. Yeah. And so that was like to intimidate. And then all of a sudden... Now, who they, was flying that, Laura? Who was flying that? The Nazis. The Nazis who are where? Antarctica, perhaps? Um, I don't know exactly where they came from, but... They weren't able to defeat any of the Nazis in Antarctica. That whole mission with Admiral Byrd supposedly fell through. Right. And then after that, it looks like that's when they were like, okay, well, let's intimidate you. You weren't able to stop us. We're trying to take over. And here's another bully tactic. And then they signed into law that MJ-12 um, had power above the president and that if one were to disclose anything that has to do with UFOs or any of these agendas, you know, we're talking major fines. Um, even death or or being jailed for quite a long time. So 1947 was a really significant year as far as the laws put into place, which supposedly, and I don't want to you know go too far too fast. I know I'm a bit of a... Uh, <laughs> That's okay. I'll stop you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Captain K, Randy Kramer has disclosed, which I didn't know. I mean, I'm very close to my family, but it's not like we all sit around, you know, discussing this stuff. We tend to just want to celebrate just family it gets, it gets kind of heavy we're all just in our own little piece of it trying to figure it out i think i'm definitely the one that's taken on the the really out there stuff 
But um, so Captain K, Randy Kramer, who has put out a lot of interviews. For anybody who wants to know who Randy Kramer is, just do a Google search within our website. We did an interview a few years ago. It's an incredible story. Nothing to corroborate, but it's a very entertaining story, in my opinion. Well, what's interesting is uh, he said that Eisenhower signed in to law uh, with the USMC special section that after a certain point, the disclosure would have to happen if things went too far. So now we see disclosure. We see a lot less murders, even though it still exists. I mean, to a certain degree, you know, some that are staged suicides. But um, supposedly he signed something into law. He created this USMC special section in order to keep uh, MJ-12 in check. And then Project Moonshadow, which has to do with working with some benevolent ETs, which Randy refers to as the cancer-fighting extraterrestrials of the universe. And it sounds great. I can't say I 100% believe it. I, I certainly have hope because that, that would be a really nice thing to think that there is something operating um, within all of this that, that can turn it around. We see that with you know things like the White Hats and, and other things. But yeah, so there was a lot of intimidation. 1947 really shut down everything. The presidential position really didn't have any power. Um, you know, Eisenhower tried to invade Area 51. Uh, Richard Dolan gave a great interview with Anonymous, who was on his deathbed. And so, I mean, not to, you know, just, you know, it's, the whole point is the Nazis were very successful in taking over the military industrial complex and much of the government in the U.S. and Europe. And uh, this, you know, is where the development and infiltration um, began to lead to the most powerful of the secret uh, Earth government group entities that um, I think Corey has referred to the interplanetary corporate conglomerate. So, um, and, and the thing is, it's so compartmentalized. There are things like mind control. There are things that everybody has to consider that every, you know, most of these whistleblowers are very sincere in what they're saying. But it's, it's incredibly important that we still have discernment. And instead of maybe buying into the stories, let's look at the technologies behind all of this and kind of get an understanding of things like Blue Beam and simulated realities and, um, and kind of consider that while also having an open mind to the fact that, yeah, we're in a multidimensional cosmos. There are going to be other beings interacting with us. The hard part is the truth from the fiction, what's being artificially generated to throw us. And especially we can see a lot of conquered and divided tactic or, uh, you know, tactics to conquer and divide us. Um, you know, it's almost like it's more important to focus on unity than belief systems at this point. I just sit here with an open mind, but I can't create fixed beliefs. And I just do my best to, you know, pull together information that connects dots to at least um, consider, you know, that there is a whole nother reality in history that we haven't heard. And I think we can agree that there's been a lot hidden. So. No, no, yeah, and I really appreciate that. And you also talked about these creatures that are looking for, you know, cancers, figuratively speaking, to help life throughout the cosmos. And we've heard about the white hats and and so on. But after so many years of discussing this, I I wonder, Laura, if a lot of this is giving people false hope, just like disclosure. Disclosure is happening. Well, it's been ten years. It's been well since two thousand one that first disclosure movement by Doctor uh, 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 Greer. Nothing really has happened, or has it? I think some stuff has happened, but I, I also feel like because of the COINTEL Pro, the disinformation, you know, the agents that are plopped into these sort of scenarios, it's created a lot of confusion. I don't see a lot of harmony in the disclosure movement right now, which is kind of shocking at this point. I think the whole concept of ascension and disclosure can give a lot of false hope if we don't get down to the nitty gritty of what it really means. Right. So I'd like to, you know, kind of jump into, okay, well, obviously we have compromised DNA and I've learned a lot about how it connects to the earth grids and the geophysics of the planet right now. And to me, we're the disclosure, you know, 
coming to terms with the truth of who we really are and what our potential is. And that's also ascension, which is advancing our human vessel. All the other stuff, you know, it's kind of like religion without it being religious. If we externalize all of this too much and we're relying on something outside of ourselves, we're not doing the inner work and we're not cultivating um, the characteristics or the um, the awakening of our, you know, dormant abilities that we need because we can easily be duped and um, have technology supplement our spiritual and soul development. And when I say spiritual, it's not about a belief system. It's just about recognizing our multidimensional nature and the fact that we have a lot of abilities. Um, I mean, we're the most advanced technology. Most technologies are mimicking something that already exists in nature or within our own DNA, which has been a prized possession of a lot of these races to create sort of technology to, to undermine the human race, to put us in survival, and then to introduce technologies to fix it and heal it. But but is that really safe? So if disclosure has to do with um, releasing some of those technologies or exposing them, that's great. I think we've made some movement in that direction by calling it out. But, you know, we still only have iPhones and a few like toys. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think we need the right leaders and we need to restructure the government so that when those technologies are disclosed, they're being used in a way that's actually beneficial. Um, because some have compromised us on purpose to further enslave us and link us into a machine or, um, you know, really, you know, damage us further. And so I think we're at a crossroads, but if people don't figure out how to step back and start to really do the inner work and focus on integrity and, um, forgiveness and just, you know, compassion and just these higher virtues, um, the, the division and the imbalance is, is that exactly what they feed on? And that's where we've been targeted for thousands of years. Sacred unions been targeted. The earth grids have been tampered with. Things have been put in reversal coding and wars have happened. Galactic wars have happened. And all it does is create duality. And the further in duality we are, then the more at war we are. And it's really a war we have to win within ourselves. Um, because ultimately it's tricking our brains into fighting against each other when I'm not in that oneness thing as insaneness, but diversity and harmony, you know, because we're all kind of fragmented pieces that need to come together. And all they're doing is, is, um, heightening up this, this intensity and drama. Um, and people are falling for it, which I'm surprised. So, um, I think the biggest disclosure and ascension is, is to step back a little bit, take a deep breath. It's all within us. We're multidimensional. It's not about having to believe in things so much, but start to at least believe in yourself and that there's a lot more to expand into. And if you have an experience or a contact experience, great. You can tell people about it. But, you know, let go of whether they believe it or not. Just live your truth. And I just hope, you know, things really start to heal on that level and people stop giving their power away because it's a little bit of doing the inner and then really strengthening through authenticity, your BS meter so that you can handle what's coming at you because without having a, a strong intuition or BS meter, we could be easily played like we have been. All very important. Let me just go back for a moment to something you said, you know, about the ley lines, pyramids, pyramids around the world are located in specific ley lines. So obviously our distant ancestors knew more than we do even today. You know, the mere fact that, that the monuments were built where they were built and how makes me feel that they knew that the ley lines were there. There was a connection to perhaps, I don't know, many people have different theories as to why they th the pyramids were built. But something tells me the fact that they were built in certain places around the world, and you can actually go through a map and see the commonalities in the latitudes and longitudes. Why do you think they were built and were, were they deactivated and for what reason? Um, yeah, I, I believe they were definitely built in significant places, um, you know, Stargate areas. 
uh, when we had the planetary cataclysms, like Atlantean cataclysm, that was like the final thing that uh, really um, through the uh, pyramid technology of the ET. Okay, so like during the Atlantean cataclysm about 26, 30,000 years ago, this is when the planetary stargates, the planetary grids and the ley lines became controlled by different controller groups. There's two main controller groups. Um, so anytime there's a cataclysm, it makes it easier because if we look at it like we're a replica, actually, of the Earth grids, our DNA, our energy meridians, um, we're a replica of this. So if cataclysms happen and they're able to start to control these things, then naturally we're going to be born with dumbed down DNA and blocked chakras um, on top of the fact that there's been genetic tampering as well. So the pyramid energy um, and and just. You know, when that all got, got thrown, I mean, that just made it difficult for the energy to be, you know, generated. And so the light energy of the planet circulating through the grids got compromised and a lot of dark reversal coding ended up coming in. And so a lot of wars have been fought over control of these um, stargates. And we lost our galactic memories, actually, in the supposedly in the Egyptian Sumerian wars. And that was also um, a big uh, like disconnect. So it kind of all just like it's, it's, it's almost like our spinal. It's like being in a cosmic car wreck. And throughout time, you know, in this last huge cycle, we've been slowly rehabilitating our, and getting ourselves back. But if you think about it, why all these cataclysms, why Lumerian Holocaust, why the electrical wars, why the Nephilim war, all these freaking wars before there, then there was galactic wars. They just stepped down when we fell into this lower harmonic universe. And then anything that could help us advance as now a new seated ascension planet. Um, they've taken advantage of the amnesia and they've wanted to throw us into a certain level of trauma so that we can't remember and that they're in charge of all these different things. Because if they're in charge of all these different things, then they have a food source. They compromise their DNA on purpose in order to be the controllers. If it was left to the devices of these advanced cultures and the pyramid technology that they understood and benevolent beings that are a part of our higher nature, um, we would have advanced as a human race a long time ago, I feel. Don't you think that it's obvious to me, for example, I, I recently have been discussing giants and I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever. And folks, believe me, I'm a, I have a level of healthy skepticism in everything that I research. But when I find the evidence, I say, this is it. Giants, to me, they were actually on this planet a long time ago. Something happened. They're no longer here. Either they were killed or they left. But something tells me they had something to do with the magnificent works that we see around the world, all these pyramids. And the Egyptians of today who claim responsibility for having built them, I really don't think so. They're pre, pre-dynastic, they're pre-deluge, the, 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 the last cataclysm. All this happened before. What do you know about giants? Well, I, I always heard the association with the Nephilim and that they were wiped out and a lot of the disincarnate souls connected with them. They use rituals to, to try and like bring them into some sort of physical form. I don't believe all Nephilim are negative though. Just like I don't believe all Anunnaki are or all grades are. I think when we look at a species, we're dealing with a mixed bag because we're in a free will universe. Just like us. Yeah. Just like us. And so same thing with the laws of the things that happen to us when we're, um, you know, imbalanced or, or polarity. Or, yeah. Just, I mean, the same laws apply that we see um, in, in the larger picture to the micro to the macro. Yeah. So the Nephilim energy. Uh, well, I think uh, the elephant, the elephant, the, ele- the Elohim, not the elephants. Um, that's kind of funny. Oh, the Elohim. 
yeah, the Elohim had some sort of issue with the Nephilim because I think there's something about the merging of human DNA and extraterrestrial DNA, and it created these giants. Um, it's obvious that they were there. Uh, there were uh, definitely a lot of uh, artifacts found, you know, the large-boned, um, re like, really tall beings. But I, I don't think it was all negative. And, you know, somebody could say, well, the Elohim were negative for, you know, wiping them out. And that's the, the, the issue in the universe is who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. The thing is, the Elohim have fallen entities or races so does the seraphim that used to be these these higher groups so once we stepped down into this physicality and a lot of like mixing and hybridization was going on it produced these giants and i and i'm certain that you know some of them had a a, a a really incredible impact you know on this earth and and the thing is you know when you're dealing also with i mean when we go back to the very beginning the minute this was decreed of a free will universe the negative ego construct had already begun rebelling and and, you know, fallen races started to come and they started to separate uh, individuals from source energy, which finally led to the explosion of Maldek. Well, first Tiamat and then Maldek. And so there is also a correlation, I believe. Between is Maldek the same as Marduk? Um, they're very similar. So I would say uh, supposedly Marduk or um, Nibiru, which are considered the same, were both behind the destruction of first Tiamat and then Maldek. And supposedly Maldek is... A portion of Tiamat, and so is the Earth. So you're talking about the asteroid belt. Yeah. So the okay. exploded planets. Um, supposedly Tiamat's exploded uh, is the 5D asteroid belt, and Maldek is the 3D asteroid belt because they're counterparts of each other. Tiamat ended up becoming a part of Maldek, or Maldek is from Tiamat. I mean, that's all like theory, and I've researched this for so long, and it's like that one piece that I needed in my book. So this is not just a quick internet search. This is like years and years and years of trying to crack like, okay, what's going on with Tiamat and Maldek? So these different wars, um, the Nephilim wars ended uh, the seeding attempt to, uh, I don't know, do something to heal some kind of genetics and not everybody was in agreement. And so everything kind of had to reorganize for the next evolutionary round. Um, but the, the, the next round uh, was basically uh, the the introduction of dark technologies into the Earth grids, things like Nephilim reversal grid. And they rebelled because they didn't want their something to be healed. And it's really complicated from the research that I've done. But there was another rebellion um, that resulted in wars because somehow it was going to like heal things. But they were mad that, you know, you shouldn't have done that. It's, it's like I'm not even I'm kind of looping and I don't want to you know lose anybody um, trying to explain what I've come to understand. But um, when the Nephilim was created, supposedly it created a war with the Anunnaki and other Anunnaki sympathizers such as the Drax and Syrian Anunnaki hybrids. So but not everybody when we deal with war, we're dealing with different sides, but it ended up wiping out the Nephilim. So I'm not one to claim this race is good. This race is bad. But I do know that. Um, something, I, I don't know, resulted in a big flood, right? And then uh, the Nephilim were gone. And I, I guess th that would have been the Nephilim Wars. I'm just thinking also on all the things that we're discovering lately and the, the, the following one, I'm not sure if it's true or not, but I get more and more footage, uh, even drone uh, imagery and videos. Uh, Devil's Tower, for example, you see this mountain. I mean, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind comes to mind. But you see it, and you see at the bottom, and you don't pay attention. But if you look at it, it has roots of silica all over the place. And, you know, whenever I go to Colorado driving from Arizona, you see these mountains that stop 
and it becomes flat all over the place, almost as if some kind of technology, if you were to, you know, speculate, some kind of technology, laser weaponry, was able to cut these magnificent trees that were miles high. Do you think this happened? This this was a reality in our past, and perhaps this is why our oxygen levels on our planet now are so much lower than before? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I don't know so much about exactly the scenario you're talking about. Um, but the thing is, it's like they're trying to create a hospitable environment for themselves. So even, I mean, when we look at the Illuminati, they're, they're still kind of Nephilim, right? So we have the giants, but then we have, um, you know, some of those genetics um, that come in. So the Nephilim, not to go back to that, supposedly are a hybrid between orphan and reptilians, and they're the ones that are easy to possess and mind control. So that sounds kind of like the Illuminati. And when we think about how they're tampering with nature and, you know, different things are hospitable to them, but not us, uh, to the point where we either are modified or they're able to kind of come in and take over because th that environment's more suitable. I would say that, I mean, because the earth is like a prize and so are humans, um, the prize part is, is what they siphon and what they feed on for the sake of their own, you know, power and, you know, their bodies or their, uh, the, the 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 things that they need to thrive are different than us. So if we see something like what you're talking about, I, I'm sure it's geared towards that because it's not just compromising humans, it's modifying us um, and, and, and siphoning our energies because these dark technologies were put in place just for that. So when we look at these dark technologies, they're only powered up by our own life force because we're the free energy they're feeding on. But if they destroy the environment enough um, and we're in enough survival, I would say it's probably even more easy to to take our energy. Does that kind of resonate with what you were asking? Yes, certainly, certainly. And this is all speculative. Everybody has a subjective idea on what's going on. I get so many people asking me questions all the time as to what, why do you think they're putting all these poisons in our water and in our food and in our air? If I, if I didn't know any better, I would think that there's somebody out there, either one, they're trying to get rid of us and they can't do it all at the same time. It's a slow, progressive, progressive death, or they want people not to to, you know, live a happy life at the end of our life. They want to give us quantity of life, but not quality of life. Or someone is terraforming this planet so they can take over. Which one do you think? Well, it's, there's a lot of different control agendas. I mean, even not to quote people, but I, I want to cite everybody that I get my information from. Um, Alex Collier, who's contacted from, or has a, contact from the Andromedans and also Corey Good talk about 22 different controller groups or 22 different genetics of ET. So I don't want to get it wrong. Maybe that was more Corey and, you know, I'm discerning and everything, but it also, okay. So if we're looking at these different agendas, there's some that are probably have like, you know, similar matches, like they, they both require the same thing, but maybe the agenda is a little bit different. I mean, some had to align and join forces. I almost look at there are only like two main controller groups and a lot of different species that have joined in these two main ones that are now collaborating more, not talking about the, the more benevolent ones. But okay, we look at things like the Georgia stones or guide stones and the desire to thin out the population. Um, we hear about the terraforming and uh, the modification, you know, of, of nature and of humans. Um, then transhumanism and artificial intelligence. And it doesn't really rely on nature anymore because it becomes like a life support system, kind of metaphorically, like we're, we're, we're on um, a life support system that looks like we're moving into advanced future, but in fact, it destroys all biological life. 
So yes, it's all speculation, but I think there's so many, you know, different scenarios and possibilities. Same thing with like the geoengineering agenda and, and chemtrails. There's a lot of different ideas about what that's for and what that means. And some even say, you know, which I don't necessarily agree with at all, um, that it's, you know, kind of a positive thing. I think the, 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 the most challenging thing right now. Where did you hear that? That it was positive? Positive. Oh, just something about the necessity to, you know, control weather just in the event that they're helping, um, you know, uh, with a drought. It's like, well, okay, you can go rain on California then. I I think that the toys are in the wrong hands. And I also believe that if we could not rely on these technologies and kind of shut them down and go through ever go through whatever we need to get back in alignment with nature, um, because nature is advancing us because this is an ascension planet. It's it's unfolding into something different than it has been ever before, ever since 2010, um, when the ascension hosting switched over and major activation started to happen in Uluru, which is the 13th gate. So that's a whole nother thing, but it's connected to the ether. And the one proof of it is that the sun started to move through the sun sign of Phiakis in 2010, and it's the only astro sign in the zodiac that rules the ether. And so without the ether, we don't have the capacity to do alchemy and we're really under control. We're, we're under the, the domination of um, these very, very dark groups. And I don't want to say satanic, but I think, you know, at this point, it's safe to say that that's a part of it. And it's been creating these inversions where we don't have access to the ether because that means that they can have power over us. So the fact that they're manipulating nature, you know, some might say, oh, this is, you know, to help in the event that, um, a certain country could use the weather control for their benefit. But right now it's, it's clear that, I mean, look at all the fires in California, look at the droughts in California, all these super storms, if they are able to break up storms and protect coastlines, I think they would have done it. So, but if we have like a, a changing of the guard, and I believe that's happening, hopefully in the Trump administration, I'm not all about Trump. So I don't want anybody to, to think that, but I, I can at least have hope that I think positive change is happening in his administration somehow, but I, I, I had promised people, I'm not going to talk about politics anymore. There goes my promise, but did, yeah. <laughs> I understand I you there. Cause, cause the thing is I'm talking about something that's happening now. I don't want people to confuse me for saying something about the actual administration. I'm just talking about what's going on behind the scenes. Forget about the mascots in the front. Cause I'm, I'm like you, I don't want anything to do with politics. I don't want to talk about it. So thank you for that boundary. I won't go there. Um, so yeah, uh, I, but, but I think, you know, with the white hats or whatever's going on, you know, in the shadow governments, the intel wars, the things that are going on that, um, you know, really do have our back. Because the thing is, if we're a replica of creation, then we got to look at it like there is an immune system of this planet, of this planetary consciousness and of the cosmos that a lot of beings and a lot of humans serve. So we have our bodies that are always contending with disease and destruction, but we also have an immune system that has our back if we can step up to the plate and greet it. So we have to decide as a human race to steer these energies into the right hands by not being the ones that are just sitting there waiting for somebody to save us or, or some government official to do it. Because the thing is, when we heal our DNA, we start to move into higher harmonic universes. We, we start to purify our inner elements. Actually, the nucleic acids in our DNA are elementals, earth, air, fire, water. Now with the ether, we have a chance to clear it all and the earth is re going to respond to us. But as long as we're still kind of in a trance, mind-controlled society, they use our energy to weaponize nature and each other. But if we were to get a clue and not allow our energy to be taken by doing whatever it takes, and there's a lot of different things we can do, then those dark technologies are going to collapse. So it's not like we're sitting here being assaulted and we're, we're victims to this. We have to understand 
they hold control over the elements as long as we don't have any control over us. So it's a reflection of our, our imbalance and, um, our disempowerment and, and lack of sovereignty as a whole. And so each individual has to take it upon themselves. Even Eisenhower talked about that. The, the beings from Venus were supposedly going to, you know, be helpful. And what it all comes down to is it's up to each individual and, and the more numbers take it upon themselves to free themselves of these, um, assaults, attacks, you know, whatever an implant might do, you know, how that takes energy. If we can just get a grip on all that, then we're going to notice the, the, uh, simulated sort of, artificial reality begins to slip away. But as long as we're easily controlled, then we're a part of enabling it. So we can't fear it. We just need to break the agreement and just say enough already. Let me interject for a second regarding what you just said about the Venusians. I, I don't know why the name Valiant Thor came to mind. I'm not sure if was the Eisenhower aware of Valiant Thor? Well, and, and I like to say supposedly, because if I had the absolute proof, I would say it right. with certainty, but I don't say anything unless I've each, I've at least heard it from, you know, three or four different sources. And if it feels right vibrationally in my body, and if I, you know, so anything that I share, I'll always be honest, if I'm not totally sure, if I say supposedly, I'm pretty darn sure. Um, the absolute truths, though, are, 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 are something different that I'll make clear. I mean, even the DNA stuff, I'm almost absolutely sure about. It's just the only thing that makes sense. So Eisenhower supposedly uh, met with the beings from Venus, Valiant Thor, um, I think 1959 in the early 1960s, he put him on uh, VIP status at the Pentagon. Right. And he wanted to assist them and he didn't have any power at that point. Um, but he uh, tried to convince, you know, the governments, but um, it was vetoed. It was uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff and other elements of the shadow government um, said, no, we can't. Uh, aligned with this mission because we won't have an economy anymore. And anyway, um, supposedly Valiant Thor and his crew, uh, his ship Victor once uh, supposedly has gone to Lake Mead. It's an invisible craft, but you can see the energy field around it. Um, and they're still stationed. There's a bunch of Ve Ven Venus mothership stationed around the planet. So they're still here kind of like helping, but they can't directly help us Uh, through relating with the government, but Eisenhower absolutely wanted to side with him. There's a movie coming out, and it's it's it actually is one of the few movies about anything extraterrestrial that says based on a true story, which you never see. <laughs> um, and, What movie is that? Uh, Stranger at the Pentagon. Oh, just like uh, Dr. Frank Strange's story. Yes, and Craig uh, Craig Campobazzo is the producer, and uh, I also know somebody who. Um, has had Valiant Thor as her spirit guide since she was a child and she was guided to meet me at a conference and says to me, um, take it with a grain of salt, uh, <laughs> Eisenhower and Valiant Thor are working together and they're still here and they're still helping us and there's a lot of other pieces to that. So um, I, I believe there must be something to the story, but you know, you also get the debunkers that say, um, okay, this is why this isn't a true story. And I have to consider that, but I would say the overwhelming feeling from what I'm getting, seeing both sides is that definitely that Valiant Thor does exist. And this and is why on this program, we just, we're, we have a, a level of healthy skepticism, but we have to keep an open mind because what if this was true? For example, you were mentioning, you know, the, the droughts in California. I know for a fact that the United States and perhaps other countries have the technology to manipulate the weather. Back yeah. during 2000, when was Katrina 2005, was it? Uh, Katrina? Something. Yeah. Along the, the, those years, I remember seeing footage from radar showing 
the waters in front of that hurricane being warmed and that hurricane following it all the way to New Orleans. They could, if that's the case, and they had that technology, they could actually move it somewhere else, but they let it go. Why? Because disaster capitalism is such a profitable venture. I mean, there, there are stocks, there are markets for that to speculate. And then you have the droughts in California. When you have all these chemtrails dropping aluminum, what does aluminum do? It just takes all the moisture and sends it somewhere else. It makes that a powder keg. You put, you know, a drop of, of, of uh, 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 a match there and it just completely. But then again, you see all these homes that are burned, but all the floor around all the trees are still standing. You've looked into that, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Dane and I, uh, yeah. I, I, Wigington? I, yeah, he's a great source oh, yeah. of information connected to the geoengineering and um yeah, and and I know he mentioned some of that. I mean, I, do, I I follow all the pictures. I see all the pictures. It's very clear. Um, there's strange things coming out of the sky, beaming down, like you know, even like forests yeah. around the house is burned. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And they had a plan, Agenda Twenty One, or yeah, I think it's Agenda Twenty One. Agenda Twenty Thirty. Agenda Twenty One or Twenty Thirty. Yeah, that they were going to burn up California, and they're trying to chase people out of California. It's both agendas. Yeah. So the purpose of taking all the people out of the coast into the big cities is because they want to have full control, almost like, you know, instead of calling it a FEMA camp, call it a city, a smart city. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Actually, I did a presentation at uh, a, a chemtrail conference, and I was talking about how they're trying to push everybody. This was a long time ago, too. They were trying to push everybody into the cities and kind of trap them in the cities. And, um, yeah, that was when I was just first really getting into all that. And, yeah, and here we see it. So. It's energy, too. I mean, we have to understand it's so easy to feel like a victim. It's so easy to feel angry. Um, but that's why a huge part of my research and my presentations have to do with the positive message. And it's not about looking outside of yourself. That's the beauty of it. Um, or if you're going to, it's really about nature. It's not like, OK, go camp. You'll be fine. Just live in nature for a while. That's really not about it. But I'm um, really just trusting the earth energies right now. Um, the earth consciousness is taking us forward. If there's any benevolent being that's helping us to advance ourselves, it's the planetary consciousness, and it's a multidimensional planet. So we've been in this sort of holding tank, which we consider 3D, but that's a matrix program. That's not the real deal of what is truly going on. And that timeline's almost you know, been hijacked or hidden from us completely, but it can't be destroyed. Hijacked in the sense that our consciousness and awareness almost has no clue it exists because everybody's you know, locked into the TV, the media, the news, their phones. Um, the manipulation coming in from cell towers, uh, implants, all these abduction scenarios and, um, you know, the, the concentration of these MK ultra projects and the sleeper agents that are hiding amongst us and the hybrids. So, but at the same time, I, I, I really never lose sight of the fact that I know that we're, we're going to be fine because nothing can take down, um, what's organic and what's real, but it's not some fluffy new age deception. I'm very careful of that. I'm like, you know, hope is great. Hope is important. But I don't want the I don't want fluffy BS hope that's going to drag me, you know, into another trap. So uh, there's definitely a strong science behind the mechanics of ascension, you know, based on the energy coming in, our alignment with the galactic core of Andromeda and Milky Way, what it's doing to the stargates, what it's doing to our chakra system even is taking us into the potential to activate an infinity spiral in our own energy body. And I've got pictures and graphs of, you know, what this really looks like. And then, you know, we really can start to advance ourselves. These are such lower level technologies. 
you know, when we're in these higher dimensional energies, the physics is different. It can transmute it and dismantle it. But we have to have our feet on the ground, too, and not be afraid to be grounded. We don't have to escape here or get out of here. We have to be connected and grounded and shielded and open and um, to, to, to uh, you know, what's coming through. The most important thing is we're careful about the distractions and the things that drain us because our creative channels function off of instructions. So when propaganda and uh, future scenarios come in and we believe in them or we allow ourselves to exist in anxiety and fear – you know, we, we've, we're, we're already heading down a difficult timeline, but we can't negate fear or judge it because it's going to serve us too to be cautionary. But it's certainly not a vibration that we want to maintain because that will just continue to weaken us. But it can certainly be a great teacher if we can get the message and, you know, develop discernment, caution, preparation without the panic, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And, you know, after doing this for so many years, I think of uh, things that have been told to me by many guests. And I just, I used to not frown upon, but I used to think, okay, that's in the interesting bucket. I remember one of my first interviews with with John Lear. You probably know who John Lear is. And he told me, the moon is a soul catcher. And I used to laugh about that concept. And somebody else told me, when you see a shooting star, that's a soul that's leaving Earth in order to be recycled. When you put those thing, th those two things together, I wonder if this is actually true. What's your opinion on this? Well, you know, I almost believe everything exists and we're sort of the projector of the reality that we choose to align with. And if it's really off, our bodies are going to alert us. You know, we're going to find that we're not really progressing or advancing. So, you know, if we sit with something and, and, and it resonates and we feel more grounded and we feel um, like something just kind of help us to see through some things and it helps us to feel like, you know, we're able to, you know, kind of see the truth of what's really going on. I, I believe that that's where the truth lies. Um, I think that there's uh, definite things that are factual that don't come from belief systems, but the way we might perceive it, it's like there might be a scientific experiment we can all agree upon because we see the facts of it, but the way we interpret it or the way it affects us, we might view differently, you know, because a lot of times um, we're all, a lot of people talk about the same thing, but with a completely different way of putting it when we're all probably kind of describing something similar. Some people might say it's, you know, a soul leaving somebody else might say, you know, but, but we can at least admit, okay, something of a light beam is traveling through the sky. You know, the soul capturing thing. I mean, we do know that there's a lot of, um, artificialness or technology that, um, you know, exists. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, artificial, I mean, there's, it's like a big mind control, place but um saturn is uh, supposedly the main frame for soul capture and recycling and the moon from what i've come to understand is considered the way station so there's activity going on um i mean when we look at okay i'm an astrologer so when i look at the properties of these planets and how they impact us the artificial aspects of the moon um that are like maybe where the capturing happens i mean look at our emotional bodies when our emotional bodies get captured and we go into depression or um the murkiness or uh, contaminated waters i mean we have uh, waters on this earth that are contaminated with radiation and pollution and a lot of that is a reflection of the, the the health of our own inner water element and then saturn the lowest level of saturn is control blockages domination and and even the word satan is similar but It doesn't end there because the highest octave of Saturn is master and teacher. So through the trials and turbulations of these agendas, we can actually advance ourselves based on how much they threaten us and push us to the edge till we snap. And all of a sudden we're like free of it. So it's almost like all this pressure trying to take something away. 
is actually pushing us to the edge to begin to truly awaken if we can see it that way. And then we're kind of home free because these technologies and these agendas are limiting us to such a small portion of who we truly are that if we can just break through that veil, um, then we're living in the higher octaves of the planetary bodies because we can't get rid of the planet. Sometimes I'd like to. I'm like, can we just get rid of that? But I'm like, no, exploded planets never helped anyone. (laughs) But you know, when we raise our consciousness and work with the planetary energies, this is what I do when I do astrology readings. It's like, okay, let's move up to the higher levels of it. Then the the, the trapping type of technologies don't have that person anymore. Um, and, and so the, the astrology map actually shows how to liberate oneself of these control agendas that use some of these planetary bodies. Um, and even like Wormwood and Nibiru, I mean, that's like that's where all the uh, dark technology siphon energy to as well. So, but that's more life force. Whereas the moon and Saturn, I mean, it's crazy. I wish I could just see like a, a picture of it. Cause sometimes it's hard to even imagine or articulate. And, but of course, yes, of course, yeah, it's a lot of theory. And I think these kind of conversations, we get pretty darn close, but um, I don't think any of us can claim to know the truth hundred percent, but these conversations are absolutely helpful because it only takes us closer. And, you know, the resonance of some of these things coming up, too, I can just nod my head and say, you know, and I think you, 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 you're similar. It's just it either resonates or it doesn't. But, um, yeah. Yeah, but hold it right there because I want to take a, a separate both segments. And before the break, I want to just ask you a couple of things and then I'll get your answer on the other side. I want to go back to your great-grandfather, but also, you know, two, two presidents I think of, and not because one is best than the other, I just think of, for example, Woodrow Wilson. And during the time of 1913, he, he basically signed into law the Federal Reserve Act. And later in life, he regretted it and he wrote a letter stating, quote, I am most unhappy man. Unwittingly, I have ruined my country. Not that your great-grandfather did, but he did warn us about the military-industrial complex uh, the, day, the day before uh, Kennedy took over in 1960, uh, January 17th, 1961, he gave that most famous speech. I also want to know if he had any regrets, anything that you know that your family learned from his deathbed, something that you've never said before. I'd like to get your answer on the other side, but how can people learn more about your work, your website and so on, Laura? Uh, my website's cosmicgaia.org, and I'll try and keep the events I'll be doing updated. And yeah, that's the best place to find me. And of course, I'm pretty active on social media, and you can follow me um, under the name Laura Eisenhower. Excellent. Folks, I read an introduction with topics that I wanted to discuss, but a lot of doors are opening, so I'm going to leverage Laura here and go there because, you know, not that frequently that I can talk to somebody that can discuss so many topics all at the same time. This is Mel Fabregas. I'm here with Laura Eisenhower. Much more when we return to the member section. You're listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you. <laughs>